Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. We've had a great start this year with a new series on discipleship. And Lose Yourself as a program is a call to discipleship. And as my friend says, it's kind of a wet bar of soap. Just as soon as you think you understand you got a grip on it, it just slips out because the word can be appropriated or changed and distorted in a lot of different ways. But a disciple is a committed follower of Christ. They spend time learning about Christ and his teachings, and then they go and share it with others. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And again, many people hear many things when they look at that passage. In the next few episodes, we're going to break apart discipleship, Christian education, and spiritual formation. These words are often used interchangeably in Christian circles to varying levels of success and accuracy because I believe that there's a lot of different aspects and nuances to this. Discipleship is a journey to spiritual growth. It happens as someone comes alongside another to witness to them, pray with them, study the Bible with them, fellowship with them. It's also a process of intentionally learning from Christ and striving to be more like him. Of course, we talked a few weeks ago about the whole difference between justification, which is having our sins acquitted when we come to faith, to sanctification, which is what this really is. It's as we grow in our faith and our spiritual disciplines, we inevitably behave and conform to Christ's nature and qualities as we pursue our spiritual disciplines and as we grow. And then finally, glorification, when we know God unencumbered by our physical limitations and our mortal bodies. And so again, as we're moving through this discipleship process, the word disciple in the Greek means student. It first appeared in the New Testament, and it was described how earlier followers of Christ actually were alongside him. When Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, he was calling them to do much more than evangelism. He was calling them to go out and teach the good news about Jesus so that others would see him and turn from their sins. This is the heart of discipleship. It was central to Jesus' ministry. He had a close personal relationship with his disciples. He taught them, spent time with them, modeled for them, sent them out to proclaim the gospel. He spent most of his ministry with 12 men and invested in him. And when you look at their work in the New Testament, it's striking to see how they grew and how they progressed. They transformed before our eyes in the pages of Scripture. And this serves as a model for us in discipleship that we want other people to experience the same kind of transformation. What's different between biblical disciples and us is that those people actually had physical proximity with Jesus. And with that, we see the intimacy that's supposed to happen in the discipleship process. Imagine being able to witness firsthand Christ's teaching, performing a miracle, and leading people, and healing people. And I'm a little jealous in that aspect. 
you know, during this time, the disciples got to experience the highs and lows of being in the presence of Christ, learning how to follow him and interact with him. As a result, Christ's disciples were not just students of his teaching. They were disciples who were actively trying to follow him and live their lives after him and with him. And they were so committed to his teachings that they went on to other cities, taught the message, and did good works. But in many cases, they also met untimely ends and tragic consequences. Their bond and their faith was so strong that they endured hardship and martyrdom because of their commitment and their faith. Last week, we talked about follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But I also, I want to pick up in Luke chapter 14 this week and talk about the cost of discipleship. Diedrich Bonhoeffer talked about cheap grace versus costly grace. Some people see grace as a free pass, just a golden ticket to heaven. And you know what? We don't deserve it. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not advocating a works-based salvation. But to be a disciple costs us everything. And I'm picking up in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned to said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Before I move on, I want you to understand he's not calling us to hate our families. It's that our love and our passion for our faith should be so intense and should be so complete that by comparison, the people on earth that we love the most would seem to pale in comparison. That is not a negativity on our families. That is a statement about the passion for our spiritual life. When I look at the modern church, we've lost that. The casualness with which we go to church, the irregularity in which we make it to church or to service, and even the distractions. A lot of times people are on their phones, they're half-heartedly singing, they're staring off into space during the worship services. That is not the mark of a disciple. And that does not necessarily embody what a disciple would look like or someone who even understands their faith. We have been saved by grace through faith in Christ plus nothing, and we should be excited about that. We've been given meaning and purpose in our life that you cannot get elsewhere. Everything around us 100 years from now is going to be rubbish or gone. So why would we cling to those created things when the creator and sustainer of the universe wants fellowship with us and wants us to be participants in the workings that he's doing here on earth? That, my friend, is when true meaning and purpose come into life because you know that you are part of this grand story that has gone on before us and will outlive us. And it is the beauty of the gospel. Let me continue on our passage. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all those who see it begin to mock him. This is a passage that we don't adequately express and talk about in church because the grace message is beautiful, but it is the beginning. And friend, we need to count the cost if we want to be followers of Christ. Other passages include Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Friend, in this passage, we talk about how easy it is to be conformed to this world. Everything that surrounds us seems to be pulling us in contradictory directions. And so therefore, it's important to keep our minds on what God has said and what God commands us to do so that we can stay focused on things that are eternal and not temporal. Paul also in Philippians, in a couple of different passages, first one is chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, says, But whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For this sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. This, my friend, is what it looks like to count the cost, to understand the value of our faith because so many times we put so much effort and emphasis on the temporal things of this world, getting successful, accumulating wealth, but our faith is worth everything. And rubbish means garbage. He counts all of those aspirational things as garbage compared to his faith. And in Philippians 1.21, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain because he understands that our faith gives meaning and purpose to this life and the things of this world simply cannot compare. I wanted to add a few additional verses to back up this passage because it's not just about counting the cost of following me, but do remember that people see what you value. And like the builder that said, you didn't count the cost, you didn't finish. People are seeing us through our behaviors and through our values, whether we value our faith or whether we value ourselves. The word Christian is used now as a slang for just people who might have grown up in a particular denomination or Christian heritage. It might be used to describe the faith of our parents and grandparents and not necessarily ourselves. Friend, it's time to count the cost when it comes to being a disciple because salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything. What's so funny is in that surrender, you gain everything. It makes you more patient. It makes you more generous. It makes you more disciplined. And you begin to embody the Christ-like character that you see Christ exhibit in the Gospels. And quite frankly, that is something that our culture needs very much. Dallas Willard talked about discipleship as a term that he felt had lost its content. It is one reason why it has been moved aside in his opinion. He tried to redeem the term discipleship, but he always had a difficult time with that. He says there are really three Gospels that are heard in our society. One is forgiveness of sins, another is being faithful to your church or churchmanship, and another is a social one, the social favor of liberation and political action. And he says all of these contain an elements of the truth. You can't dismiss any of them. To say that's what discipleship is robs discipleship of its connection with the transformation of our character. I love that passage from Dallas Willard. He made this observation all the way back in 2005 and said, in our country, 
On the theological right, discipleship came as a means of training people to win souls. And on the left, it came as a means of social action, protesting, doing social deeds. And both of them left out character formation. So friend, as we're talking about discipleship, and that's where we'll go in the few weeks talking about spiritual formation versus Christian education. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want you to take this verse this week and talk about, do you exhibit those qualities? Are you loving? Do you have joy in your life? As in, happiness is circumstantial. Joy comes from being in the center of God's will and, his, and through obedience. Do you have joy in your life? Are you peaceful? Or do you have patience and forbearance in your life? Do you finish what you start? Are you kind to people? Are you morally upright? Are you good and faithful and dependable? Are you gentle and self-controlled in the way that you speak and the way you handle things? In this crazy age where everything is about being angry, when all of the cultural media and artificial intelligence on social media is tuned to enraging people, when you exhibit these qualities, yes, you'll irritate some who are really into those things. But friend, let me tell you, you will be sought out with these qualities. They're going to say, where did those come from? How do I get them? I have not seen those in a while. So friend, as you are moving forward in discipleship, just remember, count the cost. It's going to cost you something. But what you gain is, again, a life of significance and then these fruit of the Spirit that will sustain you and inspire others. Friend, I'm out of time again, and I'm looking forward to next week starting our conversation about Christian education, spiritual formation, and other aspects of discipleship. And I look forward to that conversation with you. Thank you for being here, and I'll see you on the next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.